We've been uh, talking about the armor of God uh, the last handful of weeks, and um, I started the series and I talked about uh, buckling on the belt of truth, and then uh, our team did a phenomenal job. I just want to give a huge, huge shout out to all of our teaching pastors and everyone that stepped in while I took some time off, um, and we talked through the armor of God. Uh, Pastor Lindsay and Pastor Julie and Pastor Jeff uh, just knocked it out of the park. Last week, Pastor Julie talked about us activating the Word of God. She talked about the difference between Logos and Rhema. I would highly recommend to you that if you have not seen this series on the armor of God, to go back on YouTube and watch that, and you can kind of get caught up on things. Today, we're going to pivot a little bit, but we're not going to go too far, because what I'm going to do is continue in this series on the armor of God, but we're going to move into a new little sub-series on the purpose of prayer. And so last week, Pastor Julie talked about the Word of God, and she read in Ephesians 6. Now, I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, because I want to give context, full context, to where we're moving, and I'm going to explain a couple things. And today, I just want to forewarn you, it's going to be a bit of foundation. I'm going to lay the groundwork for where we're going to be the next four to six weeks. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going to want to miss one Sunday, because I'm going to lay out some things as it pertains to prayer that I think is wildly important right now now, especially in society, especially with where we're at, especially with what we're dealing with, with quarantines and COVIDs and work and family and everything going on. I think this is going to truly bless everybody who hears it. Let's read together in Ephesians 6. I'm going to start in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is Paul speaking. Now, again, I'm going to give some context. This is Paul speaking as he is sitting in chains imprisoned. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, or in in other versions of scripture, it says, for we wrestle not. For our struggle, or for we wrestle not. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, when we see that word therefore, we have to ask what it's there for. Therefore, based on what Paul's saying, based on what I just said, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm then. Here we go with the articles of the armor of God that we just walked through the last handful of weeks. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Now that's where we ended up last week. That's where Pastor Julie preached. And then it says, it keeps going. It says, which is the word of God, verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Then Paul goes on to say, pray also for me. 
that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Here's what typically happens. Now, I just want to preface this by saying, here's what typically happens. Typically, we preach the armor of God. Typically, we hear about people talking about, we, we, just, we just need to armor up. You know, we need the armor of God. We, we need our belt. We, we, we need our feet fitted. We need our helmet. We, gotta put, we, we need our sword. We got we to put on our breastplate. We got to do all these things. And then what we do is we stop at verse 17 by saying, it, it's, it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Period. But I'm sorry to say, or I should happily be able to tell you, that there's an extra piece. He says, and pray. And pray. And I love in the King James, the New King James Version, it says, praying always. Let me define real quick what prayer is, because I, I want to demystify this. If you're listening and you're like, Pat, I don't even, I, I, I'm, I'm not a really have a relationship with God. This is maybe new to me, or I struggle with prayer. I don't, I mean, I feel like I'm just talking to the air. Am I talking to, to just whoever can hear? Is there, is, hello, is there anyone out there? Prayer is this moment where we're like, we got to talk. And God is a personal God, and so I'm going to define prayer this way. It's a personal dialogue between a personal God and his people. Prayer is simply this. It's a personal dialogue between a personal God and his people. And there's times in our lives when we're just like, God, we, we got to talk. And there's times in my life where God has said to me, Pat, we got to talk. We can pray a lot of things to a lot of of abstract articles. Here's what I mean. This word prayer doesn't mean pray to this over here, pray to this mystical being over here. This word prayer is definitive in this definition in saying that you can pray to a lot of things, but this word is an instruction to pray to the one and only living God. We're not, we're not praying to the 72 stars in the sky because, because we can give worth to a lot of things. We can pray toward a lot of things, but this word is very specific. Prayer is a dialogue, it's a personal dialogue between a personal God and his people. And our understanding of prayer will correspond with our understanding of who God is. The, the, again, this is just groundwork. Our understanding of prayer will correspond to our understanding of who God is. So prayer keeps us in a personal, intimate relationship with God. Why? Because we're having a personal dialogue. When I have a personal dialogue, you want to get to know someone, you sit down and you begin having, per, you have a dialogue and you have a personal dialogue. Dialogue means back and forth. So you may ask, well, what the heck, what's the purpose of prayer in the midst of a battle? Because remember, the premise of what Paul's telling us and putting on the armor is that we're engaged in a spiritual battle, that we struggle or we wrestle not with the physical, but we're wrestling not with flesh and blood, but we're wrestling in the spirit. 
We're str- our struggle is in the spirit. We feel it in the physical, but we wrestle in the spirit. So what does prayer have to do with being engaged in war and battle? Those are the questions we're going to ask answer today. Number one, prayer engages you in the battle. Prayer engages you in the battle. Now, I just want to tell you right now, you are being engaged. You've heard this over the last six weeks. You are being engaged in the fight, whether or not you're sitting on the bench or you're in the middle of the playing field. You are being engaged in the battle. If you're living life, if, you're, if you can hear my voice right now, if you're breathing, you have oxygen in your system, let me tell you something, you're living life. And life sometimes reminds you that it's a fight. How many of you this morning, you feel like you're in a fight? How many of you this morning, you're feeling the wrestle? You're feeling the struggle? I'm going to bring back the New King James Version, and I'm going to say, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, verse 18, praying always. Praying always. Let's take this word praying. Why does Paul tell us that we should pray always? We're standing there with all this armor on. We're engaged in this battle, whether we want to or not, but prayer engages you in the battle. How? Because prayer is our battle language. Prayer is your battle cry. You know, there's like, you know, with little kids, we go like, use your inside voice. Sometimes we have inside voices. Sometimes, sometimes we have language that sounds different. My language with my wife might sound different than my language with my one-year-old. There's appropriate language and words that get used depending on the appropriate situation. And you and I are engaged in battle, and we need words and language for that battle. In prayer, there are, that, that, that's our war words. Now, I'm going to make a connection here. Our armor, last week, Pastor Julie did an amazing job talking about Logos Rhema. Like, Rhema is the activated word of God. Now, there's a bridge here with that word and prayer. And this is how prayer engages you in the battle. Our armor... For is for war and our words for war are connected. Here's again, here's what we do. We disconnect sometimes the armor of God and Paul saying, and pray. We say, I'm all dressed up in the uniform and then we don't pray. But, th- but, but this is the connection. Follow me here. The word of God, now I'm going to read this. I'll probably read it twice because I want you to get this. You can always get it off of, off of our Movement Church app. I believe I put this in my notes this morning under sermon notes. The word of God sets the terms of God's purpose on the issues being wrestled over. That's half of what I'm about to say. So I'm going to repeat that because I want us to get this. The word of God, the word of God, okay, what we talked about last week, what we read right here, sets the terms of God's purpose on the issues being wrestled over, the things we're struggling over. Sets the terms of God's purpose on those issues. And prayer is the spiritual exercise that ultimately brings the victory of God to our struggles. Now I'm going to say this as a whole. The word of God sets the terms of God's purpose on the issues being wrestled over. And prayer, 
is the spiritual exercise that ultimately brings the victory of God to our struggles. I'm going to break this down even simpler. Prayer is your battle language, bringing God's will as you speak God's word. Let me say that again. We cannot disconnect the physical armor of God that Paul is talking about and praying the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the rhema word, activating that word. Prayer, when we do that, it engages us in the battle. We begin to take up our weaponry with words of prayer. But we're not praying our own words. We're praying what words? The word of God. So prayer is our battle language, bringing God's will as you speak God's word. Real quickly, Jesus spending some time with the disciples. And Jesus is always going away and praying. So he stops in Matthew 6 and he says, hey, listen, I'm going to teach you something very quickly. I want to teach you how to pray. Now, now I want us to be clear about this. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 9, this then is how you should pray. He doesn't say this is what you should pray. We don't need to sit and recite the Lord's prayer as written in Matthew 6. Now, if that's all you got, give it all you got. But what I'm telling you is, is that this instruction says, this then is how I need to pray. And how do I need to pray? I need to pray God's will and God's word. Listen to this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Hold on a second. God, your will be done. Am I praying God's word, which is actually his will, into my struggles and circumstances? Am I praying God's word, which is his will and his purpose for the terms of what I'm wrestling with, into my struggles and into my circumstances? Are we praying those things? Are we engaging the word of God through prayer, through this war language? Are we engaging the word of God and striking into our society and striking into our government and striking into our states and our cities and our homes and our neighborhoods by declaring the word of God? If you pray God's word, let me tell you something. People come and ask me, Pastor, I just, what's God's will? I just want God's will. Here's, it's very simple. You, you pray God's word and you're going to bring God's will. You pray God's word and you will bring God's will. Praying the word of God is us practically wielding the sword of the spirit. As Pastor Julie teaches last week, that we need to, we take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I'm sitting here, here I am. She did a great job depicting what that sword looks like. It's, it's not a lot, it's like, it's like 12, average around 12 inch dagger, sharp on both sides. Here I am holding this thing. I'm fully armored. I'm all dressed up for the dance. And I don't pray. This dagger doesn't become offensive until I begin professing, confessing, declaring, addressing situations with the word of God. And when I begin to do that, it brings purpose to the pain that I might be feeling today. Psalm 
somebody, I don't see, I can't see this right now, but somebody in the, in the chats better like shout an amen to this. Do you know that Jesus responded to every attack from Satan against him with scripture? Every one of them. I love this in, in, in Luke four, Satan comes, the devil comes and he, he's tempting Jesus and he says to him, if you were the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written. L- let me tell you what it is written means. Jesus is about to quote. He is about to profess, declare the word of God, which will bring God's will into the middle of this temptation to deliver Jesus from the evil one. You want to be delivered from the evil one? We got to be like Jesus. We have to begin to respond to the situations and engage in the battle through prayer. I'm being engaged, I'm being hit, and I'm not engaging back in the battle. The only words that are coming out of my mouth, the only language that I'm using are, is my natural language, typically to complain. When we need to stop complaining and we need to start professing like Jesus did the living word of God in the middle of my temptation, in the middle of my struggle. So oftentimes what happens is we, we put on the armor of God and it prepares us for the battle. So we put on the armor of God, it prepares us for the battle. It enables us to step onto the battlefield now, physically covered. But prayer is the battle itself, with God's word being our chief weapon employed against Satan during our struggle. Prayer is our physical act of engaging in a spiritual war. Remember, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities, things, things that you and I might not be able to see. So it does me no good to pick up this physical knife and, and wield it at things that I can't see. I need to begin wielding the word of God. It becomes my physical act. What can you do today to battle against the things that are happening around you? What physically can you, what practically can you do? Let me tell you what you can practically do. Let me tell you what you practically shouldn't do is sit back and take a beating from the enemy because that's where the enemy wants you. I want to speak to some of you right now. Some of you right now are sitting back and you're getting punched silly by the enemy. And I don't and you may not you may not be meaning to do it, but you're tired and you're struggling, you're wrestling and you're feeling the weight and the burden. And God is saying to you this morning, I want you to engage in the battle. I want you to physically act. I want you to physically respond and engage in a spiritual war by declaring my word in prayer over your situations and your circumstances. What are you struggling with this morning? What are you wrestling with this morning? God has a purpose and a will. You pray his word. He delivers his will. Number two, and lastly, prayer covers you in the battle. Prayer covers you in the battle. It says, praying always. In the New King James Version and the King James, praying always. We talked about praying. 
Let's talk about this word always. Why would Paul say to pray always? Why, why, why don't we just pray when things are tough? Why don't we pray? Well, I only pray when I see darkness looming. You know, I only pray when I really, 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 really need that pay raise. I only pray when I'm really at the end of myself. I only pray when things get really tough. Paul's telling us the complete opposite. He's saying, no, 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 I want you to pray what? Always. The other word is on all occasions. Let me define for you what this word means. On all occasions or always. It means before. It means after. It means in between. It means above. It means under or below. It means outwardly. It means quickly. It means while or within, like throughout, while something is happening. What is this telling us? Paul, what is Paul trying to tell us? He's saying you need to deliver God's word to see God's will, and you need to do it on all occasions. He's saying we need to pray before the trial. We need to pray in the midst of the trial, under the pressure of the trial. We need to pray in the middle of it. We need to pray when we get out of it. We need to pray when we're walking away from it. We need to pray every single moment. We just don't pray when we're in the midst of it. We just don't pray when we go, God, I don't know what to do today because I'm in the middle of it. I was praying a week ago before I hit the valley that I appear to me is a shadow of death. He's saying, pray always. We pray in our failures. We pray in our trials. We pray in our successes. And we pray everywhere in between. Prayer becomes our covering. Prayer is your first response instead of your last resort. Prayer should become our first. This is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, you should be praying so much that it's, it's, just, it's, it's automatically your first response. It's not your last. Well, you know, I don't know what else to do. Well, we should pray. <laughs> I've had that conversation. I'm totally transparent. So many times with myself. So many times my wife's looked at me and seen that I'm at the end of myself and said, have you prayed? Oh, what am I doing? I'm treating prayer as a last resort. And Paul's saying it needs to be your first response. In fact, it should be my only response. Let me tell you what prayer being your first response, how it covers you. First response prayer allows you to control the narrative. Let me say that again. First response prayer allows you to control the narrative. And whoever controls the narrative wins the war. First response prayer allows you to control the narrative. And whoever controls the narrative wins the war. I get this picture of prayer covering us. We put on the armor of God. And do you know when I put on the armor of God, there's areas of my body that are still exposed. There's, there's gaps in that armor. 
And, 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 and in the Old Testament, it, 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 I get this picture in my head, follow, follow me if you can, of when kings were anointed. There's this guy David in the Bible, and he wrote a large portion of the book of Psalms, and he was a great king, and God said, this is a man after my own heart. I mean, this guy was amazing in what he did. You should read in the book of Psalms, in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, you should, you should read the stories of David. They're incredible. And what David understood was this. There was a moment in David's life. He's around 13 years old and he's hanging out in his dad's pasture and he's watching the sheep and he's protecting the sheep and he's playing his instrument and he's learning how to spend time with God and dialogue with a personal God in a personal way. And Samuel comes along, this prophet, to anoint the new king. And he runs through all of David's brothers and he finally gets to David, the youngest, the runt. And his dad's like, oh, I got this one son, but he's just the little guy. He's out in the sheep field hanging out. He's spending time taking care of my money because that was wealth. Sam goes, let me see him. He goes and he sees him. He, he see, when he sees him, he lays eyes on him. He says, this is the king of Israel. And he takes this big horn full of oil and he starts dumping it on top of David's head. And the oil, it's not like a little bit of oil. It's not like running down. I'm talking, takes this and dumps it on his head and it covers every part of, of, of David. It, it runs down his body. Now David is dressed as a shepherd. He, he now has been anointed as a king. And this is what prayer does. It takes us out of our natural element of putting on armor that has some gaps in it and God's like, prayer covers you. It's like, I've appointed you for the battle. Now I'm anointing you for the battle. I, I, I've actually enabled you to step into the battle with this armor that I've given you. But now prayer empowers you to step in. You know, it's, it, it's like, it's, it reminds me of, of Iron Man. You know, it's like Iron Man has this suit, but it's like, this little thing in his chest that keeps his heart going and powers the suit. It's like, you can have all, you can have the suit. You can, you can step into battle, but you could not step in with power. And prayer covers. And prayer empowers. It takes what God has prepared and it empowers and says, I am going to strike at the enemy. And I'm covered God didn't just appoint me for today. God, let me tell you something. God appointed you for the situation that you're in. You know what that means? He prepared you. God has you right where you're at because there's something there that you may need to learn or you may need to bring to somebody. There's a freedom for you or a freedom for someone else. He created you for a moment like this. And he's saying, if you're willing to pray and cover yourself, Every single gap in the arm, every single part where the enemy wants to come in, you are covered now because you've been anointed. Are you with me this morning? Someone shout and let me know. So I'm going to control the narrative. I'm going to control the anointing and the covering by professing God's word. Because whoever controls the narrative wins the war. So this is our narrative. In the New King James, Psalms 140, verse 7. Oh God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. 
I get, again, I get this picture of God covering your head right now, whatever the struggle, whatever you're wrestling with, covering your head. He's anoint, he's, I, I want you to picture this. God has anointed you with his word that you can pray over your circumstance. Let me tell you how else we, 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 we can control the narrative through prayer and it will cover us. In Ephesians 6, 14, we just read about the armor of God. This is what the enemy wants to do. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The enemy wants to come to you and me and wants to say, you know, is that really true? What did he say to Jesus? If you are the son of God, what is he saying to him? I am going to come against the truth and try to trick you into believing something that I want you to think is true. But we've been given truth. So what's our narrative? No, 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 enemy. I know the truth and the truth will set me free. I'm controlling the narrative. Jesus controlled the narrative. When I read further, it says that I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness, right thinking, right standing. The enemy wants to come to you and I and wants to control the narrative and say, you know what? You don't deserve grace from God. You don't deserve what Jesus did. You don't deserve that job. You don't deserve that education. You don't deserve that spouse. You don't deserve that fill in the blank. Because you're not right. There's something wrong with you. Do you see all this stuff in your past? You see everything that you've done? That's not right. He's, he's, you know, the enemy's trying to control the narrative right now in your life, but you can turn and you can say, no, I'm going to control the narrative because whoever controls the narrative wins the war. I'm going to begin praying right thinking over my mind because I want the mind of Christ, as it says in Corinthians. Why? Because it gives me right thinking. And I can control the narrative. Are you with me this morning? With your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The enemy wants to come along and say, you know all this stuff going on? You should be really anxious about it. You, you, you should be really worried. You should obsess over it. You should lose sleep over it. I don't want you to have any peace. But I control the narrative. No, 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 no. My feet have been fitted with the gospel, the good news of who Jesus Christ is. The gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ brought peace to my peace lacking life through the cross, through what he did, through overcoming death and leaving the tomb empty. I've been given peace. I'm controlling the narrative. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Enemy wants to come along and he wants to control the narrative. He wants to say, look at you. Man, you don't, you, you don't have any faith. Do you, even really, do you even believe all of this stuff? You know what you should have done? If you had faith, you should have, and you fill in the blank. The enemy wants to control the narrative. I'm like, nah, sorry, enemy. I'm actually going to control the narrative and I've been giving a shield of faith. I've been given a measure of faith. You know that God gave me the amount of faith that I need today to be standing here and be a father of seven children, to be a husband to Chandra, to be a pastor and leader of a little church in San Marcos, to be able to love people today for such a time as this. I've been given that measure of faith. So when the enemy wants to come at me and control the narrative and say, you don't have the faith for this, I turn to him boldly and I begin releasing the word and I see God's will and I take control of the narrative and it covers me. 
Are you covered this morning? This faith, I can extinguish all those little flaming arrows of the evil one. I can put on the helmet. Are you really saved? Do you know, because when you were driving down the freeway and you got really upset, you know, remember that on Wednesday? I, I, I think you might have lost your salvation. I, I don't even think you're I don't even think you really knew Jesus. But I control the narrative. I know what Jesus did for me. I know that Jesus will never leave me or forsake me. That I've professed him as my Lord and Savior and I have salvation. And we've been given the sword of the Spirit. Enemy wants to control the narrative, family. Enemy wants to come along. He wants to say, you're not covered. This little dagger, that doesn't do nothing. Look, I, 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 I have like nuclear weapons and you got a little dagger. You're coming to a gunfight with a knife. But I'm going to control the narrative and say, you don't understand that this is a double-edged dagger. That it cuts both physically and spiritually. And when I begin releasing the word of God, when I take control of the narrative, when I begin professing God's promises over my life, you lose control of the narrative. And I hate to tell you, dummy Satan, whoever controls the narrative wins the war. And I've been anointed for this. I've been appointed for it. I've been prepared with all of the armor. And God has dumped his favor and his anointing over the top of us. And we have been covered. Our heads are covered for this day of battle. We control the narrative. So what purpose does prayer have in the battle? So what, let me, what purpose does prayer have? It engages us in the battle. It gives us the ability to fight back. It engages us in the battle. And prayer covers us with the word of God in the battle. If I can have Matt come out. Here's a couple things just taking it home. Here's a couple questions that I have for you this morning. I'm thinking. I'm not lost. I'm praying, actually. Here's a great lesson. I'm praying, actually. Here's a question. Is prayer part of your personal dialogue? Because we have a lot of personal dialogue that goes on. We have personal dialogue that we put onto social media platforms. We have personal dialogue between each other. But is prayer, is a, is a personal dialogue between you and a personal God, is that part of your routine? It was really interesting. Like I began to realize that I pray a lot and usually through simple questions. God, what are you doing in the midst of the situation? What have you purposed me for? What have you purposed us for in the midst of everything going on? What are you asking of us, God, so that we can, we can bring your word so that we can see your will? We sing this song, Revival's in the Air. You want to bring revival? Begin praying personally in your dialogue and bringing the word of God and it will deliver the will of God and it will change everything. 
How often is prayer your first response? How often is prayer your last resort? And obviously these are personal questions for you. These are for you to think about. And my hope is this last question, who is controlling the narrative over your life? My hope is is that you today would begin to see the power of prayer, that it's not detached from the armor. Prayer isn't this far off distant thing that Paul goes right in line, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and praying continually. That prayer is an addition and part of. And without prayer, someone else is controlling the narrative in your life. I learned a long time ago, I want to control the narrative. We we are not going to bow down to the lies of the enemy any longer. So I want to pray for that right now. Right where you're at, if you feel comfortable doing so, I'm going to close my eyes. It helps me focus a little bit. I need all the focus I can get. I'm going to close my eyes. If you feel comfortable doing so, I know there's probably a lot going on wherever you're at, where maybe you're driving, you're listening to this later in the week, you're listening to it live right now. I don't know. But if you, if you could just close your eyes and just focus for a second. We're going to pray. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of God. And I profess an anointing and a covering over our heads for the day of battle. God, that we've been equipped and we've been enabled and we've been empowered. That we would take control of the narrative and begin to pray your word. That's the active word. That's that rhema word from last week. We would activate the word by wielding the sword. And we do that through prayer. And we would begin to physically act and be engaged through this spiritual act of prayer. I pray for every mind and every heart right now that's listening to this, that can hear my voice that's struggling, that's in the middle of this wrestling. And I want to tell you something. God has a purpose. It's our job to begin to engage in the battle with his word through prayer. And it's his job to cover. So God, cover us this morning. Now you're going to want to join us next week. Because we're going to begin to talk about the different facets of prayer. Over the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about the different types of prayer. We're going to talk about when we should pray, how long we should pray for something. We're going to answer some really key questions that I think you're going to want to hear. And I want you to be empowered to pray. And I don't want it to be a last resort. I want you to be empowered to pray as a first response. So join us, please join us next week. Share this with somebody that needs the encouragement this morning. That maybe they're they're, they're wrestling with something and in the struggle. We love you. We look forward to hearing all that God is doing in your life as you pray his word and you see his will delivered. In the name of Jesus, all of us across all the platforms, all of us can say, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. We'll see you next week.